and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're so excited you joined us today. No matter where in the world you are, we want you to know that you're family. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, hey everybody, welcome once again to the Journey. It's so glad, honored that you are here tuning in with us wherever you're watching from. Thank you. Thanks so much for being a part of the church. And here we are, a new month in the new year. Now we've passed January and all the craziness of January, and here we are to February. And uh, I want to encourage you uh, to join us after the service in the online chat, uh, or really via Zoom. It's our community groups that last only 15 to 20 minutes long. It's a great way for you and I to connect, hang out, for us to deepen our faith and talk a little bit about the message that we hear. And so I want to encourage you, Join us. If your house is a mess, don't worry about it. Forget about it, right? Join us. Hang out with us. We'd love to just connect with you, see how you're doing. And those that already joined, comment in the chat if you've been a part of our Zoom community groups. Let them know. Let them know how fun it is, how awesome it is just to see each other's faces and be a part. And and I just hope that you would decide to join us today. Now, last week, we kicked off a new teaching series called The Struggle Is real, right? And this is a five-part series where we're going to talk about how do we make sense of our finances. If you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go back because last week will really frame up the entire series. But what we talked about last week, if we could sum it all up to one word, it would be the word attitude, right? Where our focus goes is often where our energy flows. And so if you're focused on how bad you are at finances and how you're not going to overcome and you're going to mess up and debt's just a part of your life, you're going to get exactly what you're focusing on. However, if you change your focus, what does God say about my finances? How do I discover His will? How do I get in line with His will? You're going to see your financial picture get a little bit clearer and a little bit better. But today, as we talk about step two, we're going to talk about the dirty D word, we're going to talk about the word debt. Now, look, I know hearing the word debt doesn't bring a smile on your face. You're not, yes, pastor, I love talking about debt. No, instead, we do a facepalm, right? No, not debt. I'm so tired of opening up the bills and seeing how much I owe, right? But unfortunately, debt has become a major aspect of our financial picture. It's almost become normal in our culture today. Let me give you just a few stats to prove it to you. 10 years ago, 2010, the total amount of consumer debt in America was 2.4 trillion. 2.4 trillion dollars. 10 years later, in 2020, that number skyrocketed to 14.3 trillion. According to financial experts, about 80% of us have some form of consumer debt. The average American has about $38,000 in debt, not including their mortgage. Here's a fun fact just for you to have for useless information. But back in 2006, $51 billion worth of fast food was charged to credit cards. Now, that's a lot of McDonald's fries and Chick-fil-A sandwiches, right? $51 billion alone just in fast food. Here's another one that's recent for us. 84% of adults believe that the pandemic and the economic downturn will have an impact on them achieving long-term financial security. 
Now this is just a sample of some of the many stats and the many traps that come with debt. And if we were to look them all up, and if I were to share this with you, we wouldn't have enough time and you would feel completely overwhelmed. And maybe you feel that way right now. You don't know how much you owe because it's just embarrassing or it's just discouraging. And you feel like you're never going to rise above. You're never going to overcome. Let me just say this. If that's you, as a church, we believe it is not God's will or God's best for you to live under the stress, the pressure, and the bondage that comes from debt long term. We believe it is God's best to get on a path of becoming debt free. And we, as a church, want to help you. Not only is it God's will, but I believe deep down in your own heart, you want that for yourself as well. How do we get there? Well, let's start with scripture. Proverbs 22, verse 7. Solomon's words, he says, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, as I was preparing for this message, I actually pulled out my wallet and I looked at a certain credit card that I have. Right? So, as a family, we rarely use this credit card. We never really carry a balance on it. But here's this credit card. It is a Chase Freedom card. Now, I'm not here to pick on Chase, all right? If you work for Chase, awesome. (laughs) But I love the word freedom, right? This is a freedom, and mine even says flex card. It means I have the freedom to buy whatever I want, right? Is that really freedom? Well, not really. Not if I use this to rack up debt and start paying interest like they want. Then I'm becoming a servant, not free, to these guys, right? They're taking away, not giving me my financial freedom. Now, before we get practical today, and before I share with you these steps on how do you get out, there's this powerful picture of this in the Old Testament in the Bible. It involves the people of Israel in bondage, in slavery, in Egypt, right? It starts off with the story of Joseph, right? We know that Joseph left to go to Egypt, that there was this massive exodus to Egypt from the Israelites because they knew that there was a famine coming and threatening the existence of the people of Israel. This is at the very end of Genesis. And so God, through a crazy set of circumstances, right, he sends Joseph to Egypt. Over time, Joseph gets influenced with the Pharaoh of Egypt through Pharaoh's dreams. God shows Joseph that a famine is coming and he tells him to gather all the food and get ready to feed people when the famine comes. Well, years later, the famine does come. And some of God's people go to Egypt to find food there. They came for temporary fulfillment. But look here in scripture what happened. In your notes, it says, in time, Joseph and all his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they become multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, Look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't and war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. Then let's fast forward a little bit more here. Verse 14, it says, They made their lives bitter forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. 
Now, what's happening here? How does this relate to my finances? Well, I want you to understand here in this passage that we looked at, God's will for his people, yes, it was to be temporary in Egypt, but it was never his will for them to stay there long term. God had, pr- had a promised land for them where they were free to serve him there. But over time, the people of Israel got comfortable, right? They got used to their new reality. In fact, anytime you see the word Egypt in the Bible, it's a symbol representing bondage and slavery. They were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years, and God finally had enough and had to lead them out. Now, what does this mean for us? Well, Journey, what if it's time for you and I to get out from the bondage of debt? What if this thing really does matter to God? Right? This isn't just biblical wisdom, right? This is, uh, in fact, the Forbes 500, right? They put out a list of the wealthiest people in America. When they surveyed all the wealthiest people in America, 75% of them, 75%, three out of four, said the most important thing to do is to get out of debt and stay out of debt. Why? Because your most powerful tool for financial freedom is your income. Your most powerful wealth building tool is your income. And when your income has everyone else's name on it, Chase Freedom, American Express, Sally Mae Student Loans, Toyota Financial, all those names attached to your income, you will never come out from bondage and live free. So what I want to do today is I want to get real practical. I want to give you some steps on how do you break free from the bondage of debt. But before we do that, Let me give you some danger signs. How do we know if debt is an issue for you and for me? Here's some danger signs. First one, living on credit instead of paying cash. In other words, are we using credit to maintain a lifestyle that our salary can't afford? Studies show that we spend 23% more when we use a credit card than when we walk in the store with cash. Why? Because when you use cash or even a debit card, you actually have less than you had before you walked in. When you use credit, you don't feel anything, right? So it's important to recognize that. Second thing to realize is delaying payments or paying the minimum payment due. Did you know the number one money maker for credit card companies is minimum payments, right? It reminds me of the expression, the house always wins because with credit cards, it's true. Here's another one, another sign. I'm unable to tithe or to save. Maybe you've said this, this new year, I want to give back to God. I want to save, but you feel like you can't because you're in bondage of your financial situation. Here's another step, extravagant spending, right? Someone once said this, they said, my problem with money is reconciling my net income with my gross habits. (laughs) Some of us, we could identify with that. And then here's the final debt danger sign, looking for get rich quick ideas, Looking for get-rich-quick ideas. The the lottery is one of those ways, right? Recently, the Powerball rose to 550 million. Mega Millions rose to over 600 million. But did you know you have a greater chance of visiting a national park, being attacked by a grizzly bear, and surviving than winning the lottery? And just in case you're wondering, those odds are one out of 2.7 million. So stop playing the odds If this is you and these are the signs that you're living, you've got to do something different. 
It's time to develop a plan and break free from the bondage of debt. Let, let me give you a few quick and easy steps. Number one, the first decision you've got to make is you have to commit to becoming debt-free right now. I commit to becoming debt-free today. This is where it all begins. When you decide I'm going to draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough. I'm going to start attacking this and do this now. Now, just to understand, Scripture doesn't outright say that debt is a sin, right? Jesus never said, thou shalt hear me. Having debt is a sin. He doesn't really say that. But the Bible over and over again gives us these images of debt being unwise and something for us to avoid. Look at Psalm chapter 37, verse 21. It says, the wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. In other words, taking money that you can't pay back, borrowing money without repaying, God puts that on par with wickedness. That's some strong language, right? His words, not mine, his words. But the reason why is because debt obligates us to someone else other than God. When we owe someone something, we are obligated to them. Paul says it like this, Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Owe what? He says, owe nothing to who? To anyone. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. So you've got to decide today, I'm going to do something about it. Step two, simple one here, but it's big. Don't acquire any new debt. Don't acquire any new debt. Now, back in late December, we had our first snowstorm of the season, right? In New York, 10 inches of snow. Now, I got to admit, like, the first snowfall is beautiful. First snowfall is nice. It just looks perfect until I got to dig that car out. And so the next day, I'm out there with the shovel, and I'm shoveling away. And if, if you want to know something, I don't love shoveling snow. I hate it. I think it's a waste of time. I hate the amount of time that it takes. I'd rather be doing anything else. So I have to listen to Jesus music while I'm shoveling because I'm upset. I'm angry. And so finally, after an hour and a half, I dig my car out. I'm happy. I finally did this. At that moment, I look down, and I see the snow plow coming toward me. And I thought, dear God, no, because what happens? The snowplow then takes all that snow and hedges it back to my parking spot. And so now I got to start all over again and shovel again for another hour to get the snow away. Now, why am I sharing this story? Because for some of you, that's how you feel like about your finances, right? You feel like, man, I, I, I'm trying. I just got rid of one debt and then I got this new medical bill. Right, I just overcame this credit card and now my hours got cut significantly. And, but understand, it feels this way when we add debt, right? We feel like, man, okay, I did something, now I'm gonna reward myself, right? Now I'm gonna get the PlayStation 5, now I'm gonna get these things. And the debt doesn't become reduced, it just gets larger. The only difference we can't control a snowplow driving by, right? But we can always control whether or not we're acquiring new debt. So what this means for you is you have to act your wage. In fact, type that in the chat with me, act my wage. I'm going to choose today to act my wage. What that means 
is if I make a thousand month or $10,000 a month, if we spend more than we make, the debt is always going to build. So I'm going to follow this principle in Hebrews chapter 13. It says, do not love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So you've got to act your wage. Number three is you've got to put God first in your finances. Put God first in my finances. You see, often when we think of spiritual growth, we think of things like prayer, right? We think of coming to church. We think of serving others. We think of reading the Bible. And we think finances is like a secondary or a third thing. But that's not how God sees it. Finances are a spiritual issue. Stewardship is a part of discipleship. The principle of tithing, which is I return the first 10% of what God provides for me, what I earn, back to Him. Tithing is all about putting God first. It's to demonstrate that God is our provider and that we trust Him. Now, let me just say this. Because I I know this, right? When it comes to tithing, we're a little bit nervous. Maybe at this point, this is where you're biting your nails, not sure. But I'll say this. I have never met a person my entire life who put God first in their finances and later said they regretted it. No, I've never met someone who put God first and regretted it, right? And maybe you're thinking this, right? How is this going to help me get out of debt? How am I going to overcome if I'm giving away 10% of my income? Don't I need that for debt? Look, I can't explain everything, but the only thing I could say is this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where I say, God, I believe you more than just up here. I'm going to live it with my actions. In fact, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 through 10, it says this. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Now, here's the deal. If you put God first and begin to give to him, it's going to be scary at first. But I'm telling you, once it becomes a habit, you're going to see God take care of you in ways that you never thought. Right? So put God first. We have to include God in the process. Number four, the fourth action is I've got to develop a plan to get out of debt. I've got to develop a plan to get out of debt. By a plan, I don't mean transferring one debt to another credit card to save on balance transfers. I don't mean taking all of your debt and consolidating it. I mean an actual plan to attack and remove the debt. In fact, Proverbs 21 verse 5, it says this. It says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Now, one good plan that that we followed, and it's a plan that Dave Ramsey recommends, is where it's called the debt snowball plan. What is a debt snowball plan? It's where you list all of your debts on a spreadsheet. Your student loans, credit cards, car payments, personal loans that you've taken from people. List out all of your debts and number them from smallest debt to largest debt. Don't worry about the monthly payments. Don't worry about the interest rates. Worry about the overall balance. And what you're going to do is you're going to go after the smallest one first. You're going to find some margin in your monthly income. I recommend at least 200 extra down on top of the minimum payment and pay that towards your first debt. Now, maybe you're listening to this, Pastor, where do I get my 200 from? Well, 
Here's the deal, I don't know. But what I do know is you're smart. I know if you got into debt, I know you can get out of debt. You're smart, you're gonna be able to figure it out. Find a way to increase $200, right? Maybe it's selling something. Maybe it's listing some of your services on TaskRabbit. Maybe it's taking on a part-time job of delivering newspapers. Maybe it's that you're not gonna eat out as much. I guarantee you'll save $200 there. Find $200 and start attacking it with a debt snowball plan. If you wait to see what's left over at the end of the month, you're never gonna overcome. Develop a plan, commit to it, and get started on it. Number five in your notes, decide on a time frame. I decide on a time frame. It might be a one-year plan, it might be a five-year plan, it might be a 10-year plan. Whatever it is, commit to a time frame. When my wife Danielle and I committed to get out of debt, we put a time frame on it of about four years. And we knew that it would be long, but what happened was any time that we got anything extra, maybe it was a tax return that came back. Maybe it was uh, Danielle had an extra paycheck. Uh, one time, true story, New York City somehow said that we overpaid in uh, parking tickets and they actually gave us a check back returning the money. Before we took that money and put it in our checking account, we already allocated it to something else. So we didn't say, woohoo, we got money from New York, State, uh, New York City for parking tickets. We're gonna go get that new iPad or the AirPod headphones, right? No. We decided that's gonna go toward our debt. And anytime anything extra came in, we paid off our debt even quicker. So instead of it taking us four years to pay off the debt, it took us three years. And I guarantee the same is gonna be true for you. If you commit to a time frame, you're gonna see yourself finishing the debt earlier than you thought was possible, all because of your commitment to a time frame. Now, speaking of time frames, did you know that in the Old Testament, debt was actually limited to only seven years? In fact, look at a verse here, the proof of it. It says, at the end of every seventh year, you must cancel the debts of everyone who owes you money. So somebody say, praise God for Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1. But, but what it means here is God didn't want his people living under the bondage of debt forever. He didn't want his people charging crazy interest on each other. He wanted them to live free. Now, wouldn't it be nice for you if your debt could just be canceled after seven years? Student loans, hey, you tried seven years, all good. Wouldn't it be nice if some of our debt would be canceled after seven years? Now, that probably won't happen. So you gotta get your head out of the clouds. You gotta stop hoping and wishing for something, and you gotta put a time frame on it and go after it. Let me give you the sixth action, the final one for us today. How do you get out of debt? You stick to it and you don't give up. Stick to it and don't give up. Proverbs 13, verse 11, it says, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. I want you to kind of underline that phrase or highlight it in your notes, the phrase little by little. You see, it's not always about the size of your steps, but it's about the direction of your steps that counts. In fact, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 reminds us of this. It says this, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Now, as we close out our message, I want you just for a moment to imagine what it would be like to be completely debt-free. Can you imagine for a moment the freedom 
Imagine that you can move forward financially because you didn't have something from your past holding you back. How about us as a church? Imagine the difference that we as a church can make for God and in our city if we were free to be generous with what God has given us because we're out of debt. Imagine how many churches we could start. Imagine the amount of water wells that we could build in third world countries. Imagine all the needs that we could meet in our community. You see, this is why God wants us to be out of debt. Not just for ourselves, but to make a difference for Him by being generous to others. You see, all throughout Scripture, there is one theme that God constantly wants to see in the life of His people. It's the theme of freedom. Right? He demonstrated that ultimately by dying on the cross. Look at our next verse here, Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. You see, my hope and my prayer for you is that you wouldn't just live debt-free, but that you would live free spiritually as well. Yes, it's one thing to be in bondage when it comes to debt, but it's another thing to be in bondage when it comes to our sin. And Jesus modeled freedom for us by giving up his life on the cross for you and I. And so I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you've never made that decision, to trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is the first and the most important step for you to make today. And so today, let's take a moment, wherever you're watching from, at home, in your apartment, in your bedroom, wherever you're watching this from, let's take a moment before God and kneel and surrender before Him in prayer. Let's pray. God, we thank You for this time where we can look to Your Word and hear You speak in our lives, God. And I know a lot of us here are living in the bondage of debt. A lot of us are kind of bound by some of our past mistakes and past decisions. And God, what's, what's done is done. No longer are we going to look at the past and be filled with regret, but we're going to look to our future and see hope, to see that you're fighting for us, to see that you're with us, and that you're pushing us to live according to your word. And so today, God, we're going to make that commitment to live debt-free. We're going to do whatever it takes to get out of debt because we want to live freely before you. We want to be generous. We want to live with an open hand. And God, we surrender our lives before you today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.